DJ Simulationistas, sup, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulationistas. Sup? You're here with Janice Pelaganis and... And Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice? What's up, Dan? How are you? Packing up the house. Yeah, yeah. Getting ready to come back to Boston. It's awesome. Moving from one coast to the other. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dan, Gianna, my daughter, comes back home in tears with an 80 on her math test. And I asked her what everyone else got. And she says she doesn't know. They don't share Uh what other kids got. And so I get that that's how schools are trending these days. I remember when I was in school, everyone's grades were posted. I mean, even the names, like the last names. So there were like no screens. I knew exactly where I stood on the bell curve. And I I think that knowledge is important to know where you stand. So it got me thinking the trend in school these days are positive teaching and learning and and the research is promising, apparently. I I just feel like we are not building resilient kids and that every kid seems to think that they're great. And and when they get to college or out into real jobs, the bell curve is a real thing. You know, you hear increasing rates of high school and college depression, competitiveness. I think I think it's because we don't focus on building resiliency these days. And so I've been doing a lot of reading on resilience and I have some thoughts on it. And you always have experience thoughts on everything I find new. So have you thought about this? Uh, it certainly is a really interesting topic that has lots and lots of dimensions to it. And I figured with Wallace, your wife, being a retired principal, that, you know, I wonder if you guys have had discussions on resilience. Uh, we certainly have. This is an interesting story about resilience and about, I guess, prejudices about such things. Uh, when she was a principal, she was hiring a new teacher, which is the most important thing that a principal does, mm-hmm. um, is choosing the right teachers. And so she had several excellent candidates, apparently, and she was sort of frustrated trying to decide between them. And she said, uh, you know, could you just take a minute and just glance at these resumes and see if you see anything that I'm missing and, you know, help me here think about how I'm going to choose between these individuals. And I looked at the resumes and one of them I just picked up and I said, this is it. You got to hire this woman. And she said, why? And I said, because she was an, (laughs) she was an Olympic swimmer. She she actually and participated that shows in how good she is the at PowerPoint and, and teaching it. I said, "This is a can-do person. This is a person who has shown uh-huh. tremendous uh, dedication and focus, and that she." will really put herself into her job. She, you know, won't be distracted. She'll be focused and she'll have a lot of resilience because, you know, she has pushed herself and must have gone through lots of competitions, gone through lots of 
you know, competitions yeah, up and down I see to that. bring herself to this high level. And she said, you know, you're right. And she wound up hiring this woman who turned out to be a wonderful teacher until her boyfriend left her and she completely fell apart, (laughs) uh, didn't show up at school. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's awful. Quit teaching without even ever talking to Wallace, her boss. Wait, she just like left? She just disappeared. She just left. It was unconscionable. Wait, so, I mean, was there contact at some point? Or she no. just completely... She communicated through a friend, another teacher, who had to inform Wallace that she didn't think she was going to come back, oh. that she was moving back to another state, and that she just couldn't face coming back. That's interesting. And she showed exactly zero resilience. So is it a generational uh, thing, do you think, or you think it's resilience? I think it's resilience. I think it's a a great thing. I, I guess I then decided that, you know, here's this person who was incredibly successful in her athletic pursuits. Maybe she never experienced defeat. Maybe she never struggled with it. She was gifted Mm. and always won and was always told she was great and that the world was open to her. And, uh, you know, and in this particular case, as soon as adversity greeted her, she fell apart. And, and of course, all this is speculation Mm. because... We don't know the details of her life and right. what happened and all of those sorts of things. But it was it was extraordinary that I had made this case about her <laughs> background that pointed to resilience. <gasps> and in fact, it was a complete, you know, disaster, quite so, unprofessional, uh, just everything, every, everything that you could describe as going wrong here <laughs> did. So in other words, you're saying, so I agree that resilience can't be measured by success. And and so I've done, I've done some reading on resilience because I'm, I'm finding it very interesting. And the Harvard Business Review have put out a series of palm-sized readable books. And one of them is on resilience, which I think is great because they're easy reads. They define it. And I have to read, I have to read from it, the adjectives that they use in the definitions, they just seem really well thought out and I can't paraphrase. So they say that resilient people possess three characteristics. One, a staunch acceptance of reality. Two, a deep belief often buttressed by strongly held values that life is meaningful. And three, uncanny ability to improvise. The more I thought and read about resilience, you know, I've of course, tried to apply my findings to simulation and debriefing. And I think we do this through simulation and debriefing. I think learners develop skills and attitudes in resiliency just by going through simulations. And I think that that's a real value that's missing in all of the literature that studies the benefits and advantages of simulation. I've not read resilience being a number one benefit or advantage. And I think it's something that's been missing. What do you think? Uh, I think that's so interesting because I haven't thought about this before, but as you describe it, I guess that is an attribute that we're trying to uh, convey to learners or to, you know, we have this hope that in their 
professional lives, that this will help provide a layer of resilience. I'm thinking specifically, as you know, I've, I've done a lot of my teaching in anesthesiology. You know, I hear uh, between sessions lots of complaints about, you know, the call schedule and about, uh, you know, how they're burned out and how, you know, it's uh, hours of boredom sometimes. And, you know, we get them to practice really difficult situations that are unlikely to actually occur, but sometimes they do with the notion that you have someone's life in your hands and that is a you know, a huge responsibility and honor, and you can't, you can't give up. You know, what you do is amazing, wonderful, great stuff, and practicing doing it in the most difficult of circumstances should be keeping you going after it, you know, being, mm-hmm. being reflective and thoughtful about what you do. And and I suppose that's a real big part of why we think simulation is so important. Mm-hmm. Simulating events that make people, you know, we have learners that come back to us months later saying, this just happened to me. So simulating events that allow us as practitioners to realize this could really happen to me. And then showing the meaningfulness in our practice and our role in helping with that patient and improvising in the moment under pressure, the time pressure of that simulation and allowing them that pressure, you know, the same conditions to allow them to improvise or even just talking about it and debriefing. And I I love that about what we do. I think there's another aspect to this okay. that is our own resilience as simulationistas. Uh-huh. And when I think of all the people involved in simulation, one remarkable thing is that they have had a tendency to really stick with it. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, myself included, you know, simulation is difficult to get going and to keep going. And it doesn't fit the healthcare model for education because you have to, you know, take people out of their clinical practice. And so, you know, most of the frustrations involve, are involved in getting people to come and do simulation. And so, you know, sometimes it feels like we're beating our head against the wall to make simulation happen. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think it speaks to the resilience of the simulationistas that we have this fundamental belief that it is valuable and important, that we really have this, you know, dedication to make it happen in spite of adversity, mm-hmm. and that we often have to become innovative to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have we had a simulation, you know, fail or seem to fail because of a technological problem and we come up with some improvisation in the moment to make it work? Mm-hmm. And it almost always does. And <laughs> and so I think that speaks to our <laughs> resilience as a, as a um, you know, as a, a specialty, if you will. I'm just laughing, Dan, because... You are the model of resilience. 
but you are leaving your beautiful home in Palm Springs to come back to Boston to do simulations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm having second thoughts. It's still snowing here, you know. There's still snow on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, and it's in the 90s here today and beautiful, sunny, no clouds in the sky and... Um, I'm, I'm going to be playing tennis later on. So, All right. I have one uh, more question for you, though, before we let go of this topic, because I've really been thinking about it and I want to bounce my thoughts off of you. You know, one thing that we're always trying to figure out at the Center for Medical Simulation is how do we create patient-centered practitioners and in education, learner-centered educators? And so I've come to appreciate this popular topic of resilience and You know, when we're thinking about creating patient-centered practitioners or learner-centered educators, I think it's too normal. It's too easy. It's too natural. It's too human to let the distractions of your life keep you centered on yourself. And so, you know, you can call it selfishness, but, you know, you have to have a certain control over yourself to be helpful to others. And so when when it comes down to it... it's getting a person to be reflective enough in the moment to, sh- to be able to shift personal distractions to the periphery and allow presence with their patients or their learners. And, and you know, while there are multiple multivariates here, I, I believe that resilience plays a huge role in being able to do this. Would you agree? I, I, I certainly agree. And I, I think it's the nature of healthcare workers. People go into healthcare, you know, incredibly well-meaning. They work amazingly hard at their craft, and uh, they put up with a lot of personal hardship uh, to do their jobs. And I think people have learned to put aside their personal side, their personal issues for the patient that they're taking care of at any moment. I think what simulation contributes is the opportunity to reflect on that and to think about it. Uh, You know, we're in the real world. Sometimes it's hard to take the time to do those things. All right. Thanks, Dan. I think I've become more resilient just talking about resilience with you. (laughs) Well, I I hope that's true. And I I hope I find it somewhere deep in my little store of resilience to actually return to the cold. uh, I know. I'm going to test you. (laughs) There are tests on resilience and I am going to be observing you. And I'll be using these assessment tools on your resilience. Well, the number one outcome measure is if I actually show up. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm going to yeah, see you right. next week. Excited. Okay, great, great All to right. talk to you. Pack up. Take care. Bye. DJ Simulationistas, what's up? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.